Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Today, there are 380,000 brand new babies brought into this world. Can't get our hands around that, can you? 380,000 new babies born in this world. Now let's see if you get it right. How many of them are born spiritually dead? 380,000. Does that start to hit you? Then how will they hear that there is good news from you and from me? Jesus said to take the gospel to the whole world. The original apostles and the emerging church did just that in their time. They did it without any of the technology we have. They did it by each believer sharing with their friends and neighbors. We seem to have largely left the job to the clergy, to the preachers, and wonder why it seems so few of our friends know about or are interested in Jesus. Pastor Mark is teaching that just like in the first century, the gospel is spread by individual believers living Christ-like lives in front of their friends and then sharing the truth with them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 2 of his message, Advancing the Gospel. Well, here's the third one. This is the real good one. When you take your last breath, you go to heaven. That was a place for an amen. Let me try, we'll, back, we'll back up again. When you take your last breath, you go to heaven. Very good. A little slow. Get your coffee after. And when I get to heaven, what does it say? It says the complete completion of my salvation. Save from the presence of sin forever. So when I get to heaven, I won't be tempted anymore. Why? There's no sin in heaven. That was another. When I get to heaven, I won't be tempted because there's no sin in heaven. That's going to be a great place. No more temptation. Why? Because sin isn't there. That's called glorification. Justification, sanctification, glorification. I'm going to be like Christ. You say, Pastor Mark, I'm not going to sit next to the guy at Starbucks and say, sanctification, what does it mean to you? No, that's for you to understand. But you can explain to him there's a process where God wants to take us and make us something like that. You see, when a person gets born again, saved, comes to faith, all our sins are forgiven, then we kind of usually forget about this thing called the gospel, as if it's in the past. But look, it's not in the past. Past, present, future. 
We never outgrow our need for the gospel. You have to understand that. So what that really means is, next thing I want you to write this morning, salvation is a, it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. (laughs) Salvation is a big, big deal. Let's say it together. Salvation is a big deal. Now, why is it a big deal? Because if you're not saved, you will be lost forever. Every friend that you have, every relative you have, every co-worker, they will spend eternity in one of two places. To be honest with you, there's nothing bigger. But we don't get it. You see, as you begin to understand that, we begin to see the heart of God. Let me ask you a question. Paul would have shared these truths with the Roman guards. He would share these truths about his own conversion, how it happened, because they wouldn't have understood any of that. And then he would have shared from his writings. I want you to look at his writings. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now, when you get there, you will understand what it means. And it's going to be a great little passage that you can learn yourself to explain to your friends, your relatives, your co-workers that really don't know about God. And I'll ask you to circle a few things as we go through. So here we go. Verse 1. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, circle these words. You were dead. Now, Paul's writing to people. What does he mean, they were dead? He's writing to dead people? No, he's writing to alive people, but they were spiritually dead. You were dead, past tense, in your transgressions and sins. In other words, every person is born with a sin nature. And he says, at one time, you were spiritually dead. He would have said the very same thing to those Roman guards. Look at verse 2. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of air and the the spirit, Satan, all of this is Satan, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Notice, unbelievers say this. I don't want to come to Christ because Christ, you say I have to give my life to Christ and he rules my life. I'm free to do my life now and I don't want anybody ruling my life. No, they're wrong. Notice what it says, they're following the ways of the world. The world squeezes them into its mold. And then there's a kingdom ruler, his name is Satan, the spirit who is at work in them. They're puppets for Satan. So Paul says, at once you were in sin, and Satan was the kingdom that you were in. Now, how many people are in that? Look at verse 3. All of us, how many's all? That means every single person is born into sin. Everyone. All of us also lived among them at one time. We all started that way. And what was our world like? Well, we gratified the cravings of our sinful nature. We didn't have the power to say no because God wasn't living in us. And we followed its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, We were by nature objects of wrath. What does that mean? It simply means when I'm separated from God, I experience what sin brings. Sin has consequences. 
And you remember Sodom and Gomorrah. God came to that sinful city and said, repent, repent, repent. If there's ten, all the way down to ten, repent. There wasn't. God's wrath came upon it. So the wrath for us, if we don't come to Christ, is because of our sin. And that's the separation called hell forever. So what Paul's saying is, you were born in sin. You've lived in sin. The object of wrath was going to be eternal damnation. It was a pretty bleak picture. But look at verse 4. Circle the first word. But. There's a transition coming. But because of his great love for us, God. So God's the initiator. Who is rich in mercy. Verse 5. Circle these three words. Made us alive. So we go from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Well, how do we do that? Next two words, with Christ. Even when you were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So this is the explanation Paul would have used, one of many, he would say to the guard, you were born with a sin nature. The wages of that sin nature is separation from God forever. God is a just holy God. He requires a payment for those sins. You couldn't be good enough. Paul says, I wasn't good enough. Jesus came and on the cross behind me, he took the sins of the whole world. Way back then on him, every sin anyone would ever commit. And it was that great exchange. He died in our substitute so I could choose to receive forgiveness. Well, how does that work? How do I choose it? Verse 8. You know it by well. Look at it. For it is by grace. I didn't deserve it. God came to me. You have been saved, delivered, freed through faith. Just believing that Jesus was the Messiah. He died on the cross for you. And by the way, that faith is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God. So I go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive by simply believing in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, repenting of my sins, and receiving that gift of salvation. I don't deserve it. And verse 9, God put in there for a very good reason. He said, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, everything we do in life, pretty much in the workforce, in all kinds of other things, all we think about is uh, if, if you go into work and he says, well, I've graded you, you got a, a four out of five in this and three out of five of that and five out of that, you got a 4% raise, good. It's all grading on how good you did, how many widgets you did, or how many reports you finished, or whatever. If you ever went to college, and you went into college, and, and, and you're in this class that's going to be very tough, and you hear, you hear the professor say this, I'm going to grade on the curve. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> I'm not going to be an A guy, and I don't have to get a 90 to get through this course. He's just going to grade on the curve. I'm pretty average, so I'm going to be okay. So when we come to Christianity, we kind of like this. Here's my good works. And there are more than my bad works. I'm into heaven, I go. God says, oh no, you, you could never be good enough. I require perfection. The only one that lived perfect was Jesus. He took your place. So that is all about salvation. All of this because of God's grace. So let me ask you a question. 
If Paul doesn't share the good news with these guards, what if he's there for two years, he never shares any of these truths with these pagan guards? Where will these guards spend eternity? Where? Hell. They would not come to it on their own. They wouldn't go to a Christian church. They didn't understand it at all. But Paul did share with them. And we learned that many of them believed. And they came to salvation. You know what? We're going to see them in heaven. Wouldn't you be interested to ask one of those guards, what was the Apostle Paul like? Oh, you can't believe this guy. He wouldn't shut up as I was. It's going to be great. So we have one more big you have to write. Here it is. Sharing the gospel is a big deal. See, it isn't just that the gospel is a big deal. It isn't just a big deal that salvation is a big deal. It's no good unless we share it. So say it with me. Here we go. On the count of three, one, two, three. Sharing the gospel is a big deal. In fact, so much so that that leads us to our very first point of three points that Paul challenges us with today. We are to advance the gospel. Why? Because it's the only hope. It's the only hope of the world. There is no other solution to man's sin. There's no way for man to be free. Jesus himself said this, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. We have to be advancing it. And how do you advance it? You share it. Not just for a pastor, not just for the Apostle Paul, for every single one of you who are there. We have to share it. Now, why does... Jesus, and why do Paul talk about advancing the gospel? Here's why. Take a look at these recent statistics. Today, there are 380,000 brand new babies brought into this world. Can't get our hands around that, can you? 380,000 new babies born in this world. Now, let's see if you get it right. How many of them are born spiritually dead? 380,000. Does that start to hit you? Then how will they hear that there is good news from you and from me? Of course, this isn't in the United States. This is around the world. So unless they hear, and as Paul speaks to the Roman guards, they don't hear any good news, and they die in their sins. That's why God put you here. That's why God put me here. It's all about the gospel. Now, not only do we have 380,000 people born today, let's look at the other end of life. 153,000 died. The question is, at the end of today, when they die, where are they? One of two places. If they've heard the gospel and received it, heaven, forgiven. If they've heard the gospel and haven't received it, rejected it, separation from God forever. It's only two choices, forever. That's why it's a big deal. That's why you're here. See, in the church today, we have to be very careful because we're into consumerism. 
People come to church and go like, what's this church going to do for me? That's the wrong question. The question is, what can I do in this church to get more people to the good news? See, we miss it. Well, yeah, I have the parking out here and here, and the coffee is still too expensive. <laughs> Bye. Because, to be very honest, we can't waste our time with consumerism. We have to be about the gospel. Because every day, 380,000 new babies are born. How will they know? It comes from a heart of us. That's the heart that Paul had. That's the heart that Jesus had. Now, when you think about that, it means that anybody can repent, believe, and receive. Are we advancing the gospel? Are we communicating the good news to everyone everywhere? Now, back to Philippians. Paul has two more keys for us this afternoon. And as you see this, it will be very clear to you what he's doing. Now, as you get to Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, let me quickly give you this background. When Paul arrived in Rome, of course, he was a prisoner. When he arrived in Rome, Paul didn't start the church at Rome. There was already a Christian church in Rome. And uh, of course, in those days, there weren't Baptists and Presbyterians and Catholics or whatever. There was just Christian churches. Well, after he's been there for a little while, he discovers there's a division in the churches in Rome. There's people that are like really proud of Paul and encouraging him and praying for him and all those kind of... And then there's another group that are definitely Christians. They're right on. You'll see in a moment, they're preaching the gospel, but they're really jealous of Paul. They're not really into Paul. And so with this, Paul hears about it. Now, how's he going to respond to it? Take a look at verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ, the gospel, notice their motive, out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Now, the latter do so in love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense, we'll get back to that in a moment, of the gospel. But the former group preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. So now understand what's really happening here. There's two groups preaching the gospel in Rome, in the church. They're preaching the real gospel. It's right on gospel. One was preaching with good motives. The other group of people were preaching with bad motives. Selfish ambition, jealousy, competition. It seems we don't really understand it, that they were jealous of Paul. Maybe his, you know, if you mention Paul, people go, man, that's the apostle Paul. He's an amazing teacher. So they're jealous of him. And they're trying to oppose Paul. They're actually rubbing salt in his wounds. And they're kind of saying this, Paul... Oh, yeah, we know the Apostle Paul, but uh, he's in jail. I'm not sure why he's in jail. Maybe he's in there for a reason. Maybe he really isn't as good as you think he is. But while he's there, we're going to advance the gospel without any influence of Paul. So they're kind of, we would say today, rubbing salt in Paul's wounds. Now, how can that be? What in the world is going to go on? And really, what is he going to say? Now, Let me explain something to you. They're both preaching the true gospel. Their doctrine's right on, but their motives are different. Now, today we have churches that don't treat and don't preach the true gospel. 
if that was what was happening here, Paul would write to it. He was dead on for doctrine, but it was not. They were preaching the right gospel. What does the wrong gospel sound like? You'll hear this in many churches. Here's what the wrong gospel sounds like. Um, all roads lead to God. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Jesus is one way to God. There's many others. And by the way, it really doesn't take any of that. If your good outweighs your bad, you're home free. Now, you've heard all of those. What is that? That's the un-gospel. You know, seven-ups, the un-cola. That's the un-gospel. It's not gospel at all. But that is not what's happening here. The gospel that both of those groups are preaching is right on. It's godly. It's based in Jesus Christ alone. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Can't come to anyone else. That's the only way to get to God. Now, when I think about this envy and selfish ambition, could that be happening in any of our churches today? Yes. So I want to speak to you out of my heart just for a moment. It'll be quick, but I want you to listen to me. There's lots of different churches in our communities today. Wonderful churches that are preaching the gospel correctly. And yet they, in many other areas, they do things a little different than we do. Different music, maybe they have Sunday school the whole time. and what They just do a lot of different kinds of things. Shorter service, no Wednesday nights. Who cares? We have to be very careful. We don't become territorial, jealous, prideful, calculating, self-promoting. For some reason, at the moment, God has made Calvary Chapel in Brevard County the biggest church in all Brevard County. God did that. We didn't do that. And so we have to be very careful. We don't look at other churches. Well, if you want to get it right, you better come on down to Calvary Chapel. Uh, Let me give you a little clue. We don't have it all right. We're working on it. There's some stuff we just don't do right. Now, why don't we have it all right? Because you're here. I have it all right. I just can't get it to you. No, you know better than that, don't you? So we have many other wonderful churches that do some things different. In the non-essentials, we're going to disagree on some stuff. And you're going to see why I'm saying this. Because in a moment, you know what Paul's going to say about these people? Who cares? They're preaching the gospel. And that's all that really matters. So, don't misunderstand. We have other churches in the community that teach the un-gospel. Don't go in those doors. But we have many other churches that just do church a little different than us. Some of the things we would definitely disagree with because kind of they're not right in the Bible. I was watching a movie last night and this person died and they were praying over them a final prayer and it was definitely not biblical. But there's other stuff they do right. And if a church is teaching the Word of God and they believe in the gospel and people are getting saved, then go for it. It's okay. Pastor Mark reminded us today of the history of the spread of the gospel. It was individuals telling their friends and families about the change Jesus made in their lives. He shared again how although pastors do see people saved as a result of their presentation of the gospel, the primary reason people come to Christ is because of the changed lives they see around them, at work and at home. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude the message, Advancing the Gospel. We'll be reminded that our primary responsibility is to tell others about Jesus. They're going to die and go to hell unless they accept the salvation that's freely offered to them. We need to gain that sense of urgency and take on the love God has for the people around us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, We want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is giving